Welcome to the Family Worship Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy the following message from Pastor Ray Kirkland. Kids to us. This morning I want to minister the second part of this message. We're going to get right into it. On favor ain't fair. How many of you know that's good English? Favor ain't fair. Look at your neighbor say favor ain't fair. Had a pastor ask me one day, was talking to me. And he, he wanted to, to, to grow. He wanted his church to prosper. He wanted his church to grow. And he wanted prayer for that. And for some reason, I just felt challenged. And I asked that pastor this question. Why? Why do you want your church to grow? Why do you, why do you want it to prosper? And honestly, he was caught off guard just a bit and, and didn't really have a real answer. Because... He didn't know why. He just knew what he wanted. He wanted it to grow. He wanted it to prosper. But the why got lost in there somewhere. All he had was a what, not a why. And that's precisely why the church wasn't growing. What means, what means you want to measure up. It, I want my church to grow so I measure up, so I'll look good, so people will hear me, so I'll be seen in a certain light by my peers. That's, that's what what is. And if we're not careful, we don't even know the whys of life. We just know the what's, what we want. We're not even sure why we want it. And so we end up, if we're not careful, we're really asking God to be a supporter of our egos. I'll leave that right there. Favor demands, listen to me carefully, we're talking about favor. It demands a kingdom purpose. Favor demands a kingdom purpose. If you don't know why God is favoring you, then what are you asking for? Okay, and so most people don't have a mission to match what they're asking God to do. Let me say it again. Most people don't have a mission to match what they're asking God to do. There's a lot of doing out there without a mission. A lot of people that are doing things without a mission. Why should God give us more people? Why should God give us more money? Why should God give us anything? Because I, I want to say to you something. I want you to hear it very carefully. God doesn't partner where there's no mission. Let me help you because I want you to be, I'm, I'm preaching this today because I want you to walk in his favor. But God does not give favor where there's no mission. He does not partner with people that don't know where they're going. He'll love you. He'll wander in a circle with you. But if you want empowerment, if you want, if you want favor, then he's going to partner with you when you have mission. Why go to school and get a Ph.D. and then do nothing with it? Education is a tool. Money is a tool. Talent is a tool. Favor is a tool. Why would you need favor if you don't know why you need favor? Why would you need it? Okay? And so to have a mission accomplished, to be able to say one day when we stand before the Lord, mission accomplished means there had to be a mission. You had to have known what you were doing and why you were doing it. And so without a mission, without a purpose, there really is no need for favor, for finances, or for anything else. Okay, so let's, let's look at this. Let's dig in just a little bit more. Last week we talked about Jacob. This week we're going to talk about Joseph. J uh, Jacob was Joseph's father. And if you remember last week, he had gone through a lot of trials in his life, a lot of different things that happened to him. 
And at the end of his life, he had finally came to a settled place where the word of God was settled in his heart. He was able to extract blessings and pass that on to his sons. Let's look at the story, Genesis 50. It says, For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite as property for a burial place. And after he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, he and his brothers, and all who went up with him to bury his father. Remember last week we talked about a whole entourage of people went. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph. I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers for their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of, the God of your father. And Joseph wept as they spoke. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God, I love those words, but God, everybody say that, meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and for your little ones. And he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. So Joseph dwelt in Egypt and he and his father's household and Joseph lived 110 years. That's a long time. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Now this text picks up right where we left off last week, where Jacob had been buried. A huge entourage of soldiers had gone with Joseph across the desert, through the wilderness places, and he had been buried as a king. And, and now Joseph and his brothers and that entourage, that army, has all returned to Egypt. And as they return, it begins to dawn on Joseph's brothers that maybe Joseph was only being nice to us because of daddy. <laughs> now we got a problem, daddy's dead. And so they're thinking, here carefully now, that Joseph was like them. People often think about you a certain way because they think that you are like them. They prejudge based on what they would do in that situation. Okay? So they begin scheming. See, they know what they'd have done. If they'd have been in Joseph's place, Joseph would die. And so that's what they're thinking. He's going to kill us because that's the way they were thinking. And so they start scheming, and they start sucking and jiving, if you will. They start manipulating, and they said, Daddy said, you got to be nice to us. Daddy said, you're not supposed to kill us. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to manipulate Jacob's favor for them because they knew Joseph loved his daddy, so maybe, maybe just that will help us out. And the Bible says that Joseph wept because it wasn't at all what Joseph felt in his heart. They had misjudged him. They had misread him. They didn't understand him. He was not like them. And he said to them, am I God? Listen carefully. If you want favor, you must hear what I'm telling you today. 
Don't allow your favor to make you think you're God in somebody's life. Don't allow the favor God gives you to make you elevate yourself to become a God in somebody's life. If you're not careful, you'll be a Jesus to somebody. It's called the Messiah Complex. You will actually take the place of Christ and you'll feel responsible for somebody's soul and for somebody's life and you'll take the place of Christ for them. And that's never what you was asked to do. He said, I'm not God. I'm not going to take the place of Christ. I'm not going to take the place of God in your life. I'm your brother Joseph and I'm not going to assume, assume the responsibilities of the Lord over your life. Amen. When people are down... They really have no choice. When somebody's knocked down, they've gone, they're in health issues or financial issues or marital issues, whatever it might be, sometimes they just can't get up. They don't have a whole lot of choices. They're knocked down. They're down for the count. But it's the person who's up who has the choices. When you're up and you see somebody down, you have choices. You can help them get up. You can kick them. You can spit on them. You can pass by them and ignore them. You're the one with the choices. And so the real test of life is what you do with your favor. What you do with it. Are you going to become a lord over others if God favors you? If you get the big bucks, are you going to be the big man on the block? What are you going to do with your favor? God will give you information. God will give you a position. God will elevate you to be the leader. Or God will give you understanding that favor, a, a favor that others don't have. But the favor is not to test them, it's to test you. Mm. It's what you do when you're the boss. It's what you do when you have the power. It's what you do. Will you become judgmental of others? Will you become critical of others? Will you become more righteous than others? Will your way always be right? Will you be self-righteous? What will you do if God does give you favor? Joseph says, I am not in the place of God. I am not going to try to be in that place of God. I, I will not judge you. I'm not going to do that. That's what you did. Amen. You meant it for evil, but God. You meant it to destroy me. Now, here's what he did. Here's what Joseph done. Do you guys remember the story? Joseph, as a little boy, had had a dream, and he told his brothers that he would saw them bowing down before him. He had, told, he had told them the future. He had told them what was coming. And the moment he told them what was coming, the enemy in them stirred up and attacked him. Amen. Favor will tell you what's coming. And the enemy will stir up because you know what's coming. Anytime you're favored, you can expect the enemy to stir up against you. You can expect the enemy to attack you because you are going into something in the future. God meant it for good, but the devil will mean it to destroy you. God will give you favor, but the devil will come to try to destroy you because you receive that favor. Somebody say, ouch. Now Joseph says, I know that you still are thinking that old way. You're still thinking that legalistic, hardcore, religious way. You're still going to kill me. But he says, I am going to nourish you, and I'm going to nourish your little ones. I'm going to nourish you, and I'm going to nourish your little ones. It's time to understand that this is why Joseph was chosen. Listen to me carefully. Here's what I felt when I was putting this together today. I feel that there's some people in this room that are being tested right now. Man, it's a quiet morning today. 
you need to realize that God is favoring you and wants to favor you for such a time as this. For such a time as this. This year right now is a perfect backdrop for God to give favor to people. But you have to pass the test. You have to be able to receive that favor, mantle that favor, wear that favor without lording over other people, without using it improperly. You're the one being tested. And so God is going to give you a little taste of financial blessing. He's going to give you a little taste of supernatural power. He's going to give you a little touch of something to see if you can handle the favor. If you can handle the favor, then you'll walk into a season of stabilized blessings. I often fly on airplanes. And if you get on one of the small airplanes and you're flying, many times, not just once or twice, but I've had many times the pilots say over the thing, we're going to climb to a higher altitude. Because we're in a turbulent air right here. And we believe if we could go just a little higher, we would find stable air. How many of you need to put your power thrusters on and get it to some stable air? You've been in a little bit some turbulent seasons of life. You're you're being tested just a bit. And so you're flying, but you're not flying where you'd like to fly. You're doing okay, but you're not where you know you belong. And, And God's wanting to lift you to a stable air. He's wanting to lift you a little higher. And here's what, here, listen carefully. I'm, I'm putting this together. Most people said you mean it, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Now we say that with an angry spirit. We're angry when you say, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. We're almost mocking. We're almost, we're almost attacking. But that's not how Joseph said it. The Bible said that Joseph said it as these words, don't be afraid. And he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. It wasn't an anger. He was not angry or, or mad. Let me ask you this. Are you still angry? Are you still angry? Are you angry at what's happened to you? Are you angry because you had to go through all that struggle with your family, with your husband, with your ex? Are you still angry because you got laid off and you lost your house and you lost all this? Are you still angry? As long as you're angry, there's a mission inside you that cannot be accomplished. Are you still angry because somebody died when they weren't supposed to die, in your opinion? Did you still place yourself as God to decide when life or death happens? Are you still angry because God didn't listen to you? Are you still playing God? Got a little too real? I know it's a Sunday morning. I don't usually do this on Sunday morning. This is more on my Wednesday night. But I really want this congregation to soar. And I know that favor comes for a reason. And I'm trying to help you to understand that. God blessed Joseph so he could be a blessing to his brothers and to others. He blessed Joseph so that Joseph could bless the nation of Israel and they could walk out into freedom one day. So the blessing came upon him because he was to bless others. And until other people become more important than you are, then you'll never truly be anointed. As long as it's still all about you and how you feel and your ministry and your gifting, as long as that's where it's at, you cannot really enter into what God really has for you. You'll be a blessing to yourself. You'll be a blessing to those immediately around you. But your blessing will be limited because God blesses for an mission that's to be accomplished. God blesses for something much larger than what we understand. The purpose of blessing is for them. Somebody say, for them. Your giftings are for you to serve somebody. Everybody got to serve somebody. Joseph said, God blessed me 
for you. Everybody say that with me. God blessed me for you. Say it one more time. Now, Joseph's life had gone through a lot of turbulent air. He had, done a, uh, he had, had caused none of that to happen to himself other than have a dream and as a young boy and maybe in his ignorance told his brothers. From that moment on, it was turbulent air. From that moment on, he was in pits. He was in prisons. He was, he was assaulted. He was lied on. His life was up and down. Now, my pastor taught me when I was young that the jagged edges in life have a purpose. Those jagged edges make me into a key. And if I can endure that grinding to become a key, then I'll be able to unlock somebody else's answer. So I've got to endure the grinding. I've got to be able to take the turbulent air. I've got to be able to move through that so I can be a key to somebody to unlock the answers of their life. But as long as it's still about me, I'll never unlock nothing. God's favor in Joseph's life was to position him to an effective place to fulfill a mission that God had for the earth. Joseph's great-great-grandfather was Abraham. Abraham produced the seed. Isaac passed the seed. Jacob multiplied the seed. And Joseph transported the seed. Let me say it again. Abraham produced the seed. Isaac passed the seed. Jacob multiplied the seed, made it into 12. And Joseph transported the seed from Egypt all the way back to Canaan. So Joseph's loyalty could not be seen until Jacob was gone. Loyalty is what you do when nobody else is around. Somebody say amen or talk to me today. Can you be consistent even when there's no motivation for you to do so? You will never be able to do it until you forsake fairness. Everybody say that. Forsake fairness. You have to forsake fairness. Favor does not allow you to seek fair. Amen. Favor does not allow you to seek fairness. We all look for fairness. We all want to be on the same level. We're the same level. We want to be equal to one another. We want, uh, how do you say that word, Gail? Um, reciprocity. Reciprocity. There's that word. Reciprocity. We all want reciprocity. In other words, I be good to you. You be good to me. I be good to you. You be good to me. I bless you. You bless me. We like that. But here's what happens. Here comes favor. So favor all of a sudden comes on. Let's just say favor comes on me. Favor comes on Ray. So I get blessed. So I be good to you. But you're not blessed yet. So I be good to you. So I be good to you. So I be good to you. Now I get depressed. I get a little frustrated. How come I'm doing so much for you and you ain't doing nothing for me? Huh? How come I'm... How, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's, what, this ain't equal. This ain't right. You're not recognizing me. Now I'm angry. Now I'm angry. I'm tired of you using me. I'm tired of you not paying attention to me. Nobody see me and my gift. Amen. And so suddenly I'm angry. Suddenly I can't function no more. Listen carefully. Favor ain't fair. Favor ain't fair. God favors you first. Somebody say first. If I'm favored and you're not, it ain't fair. That's why God gave me the favor. To bless you. 
If I don't bless you, then why did I need the favor? So I could walk around with a big fat head, say how great I am. Listen to me. If you don't change your mindset, you will abort your favor. Favor does not allow you to seek fairness. Amen. It will not allow you. If you want to be favored, God will have to teach you and you'll have to understand it is not fair. It means you're going to give, you're going to give, you're going to give, and you're not going to get back from the place you gave. You're going to have to learn this. Listen carefully. You have to. It's not going to come back from them. It does not come back from them. They don't have anything to give it back. That's why God gave it to you. Amen. They don't have anything. They can't do it. So you're going to have to learn you sow in one place, but you reap in another. You sow in one place, but you reap in another. You're going to have to learn that lesson. Now, our culture doesn't like that. Our Western culture, we don't like that. Our church world doesn't like that. All of the people that write books don't like that. They want fairness. I toss it to you, you toss it back. I toss it to you, you toss it back. I come to your house for dinner, you come to my house for dinner. I bought the coffee today, you buy it next week. Amen. We like fairness. We feel like it's fair. If all I ever do is go out to coffee with you and I always pay pretty soon, I don't want to go to coffee with you no more. Because I seek fairness. But the truth is you ain't got two nickels to rub together and I got $10. I was favored. Amen. Okay, so if I can't, maybe you have, maybe you have $100 and I only got $10. i am still seeking fairness. I, I, I don't want fairness. I want favor. To have favor, i got to understand life is not fair. I have to operate at a different level. I have to learn my children can't give back to me the way I give to them. Amen. Amen. I change their diapers, and I don't want them changing mine. Amen. I don't mind sharing and giving and giving. God favored me, so I could favor them. God blessed me, so I could bless them. Amen. So you have to learn how. You give, you give, you give. And you suck it up, you suck it up, you suck it up. That's what this church is going to do. We're going to give and give and give to other churches, to other ministries, to other people, to young men, to young women, to people. We're going to give and give and give. And we're going to suck it up and suck it up and suck it up. And we're not going to get back from them. We're not going to get back from them. They don't have nothing to give back. We're going to receive from him. Oh, you're still alive. You're going to get it in a minute. You have to develop faith to believe that just because you gave it and you didn't, what you didn't, you sowed it, but you didn't see it come back there, that does not diminish what God has for you coming. Jacob had sowed his entire life. He had done right his entire life. He had been sowing and sowing and sowing, and life just was not fair. Life just was not fair. Amen. Oh. Until you forsake fairness, you cannot walk in the real favor that God has for you. You'll have blessings. You'll have a few good things. God will sustain your family. God will give you a good business. God will give you a good wife, a good woman, a good man, a few things. But you'll not have the favor that God wants for you until you can forsake fairness. To him who's given much, much is required. Is that right? 
Now, it's easy to shout about that. Whoa, I've been given much. But I very seldom hear people shout, yeah, and much is required. Now, if you're not willing to, re- to meet the requirement, you're going to lose the gift. That's what the Bible teaches. Luke 12 says it this way. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. So if you're given much, if you want a lot of favor, there's going to be a lot required from you. Now, if you're given little, then little will be required. Is that right? That's why the man could lay by the pool for 38 years waiting for his miracle. Because little was given. Little was required. But one day, much was given. Jesus walked by. (laughs) Amen. All of a sudden, Jesus is there. You've been laying there 38 years because there was little required. Because little had been given. But the moment Jesus walked into the picture, much is now required. And if that man would not have got up that day, he would have laid there the rest of his life a cripple. But that day he stood up, and that day he got up because there was an exposure to greatness, there was an exposure to favor, and he responded to it. You have to be given much to have a lot required. And when you're given much, you're going to suffer much. You've been blessed with much, but you're going to be hurt much. It's going to happen. God blessed Joseph, and as he blessed Joseph, Joseph was lied on by Potiphar's wife. Joseph was lied on by his brothers first, then by Potiphar's wife. He was lied on, ended up in a prison, and yet Joseph remained trustworthy. He had proven himself to be trustworthy even in the most turbulent air. God was grinding him into a key that would unlock the destiny of Israel. And there he was, being trusted, being careful. Now Joseph is finally ready for his final test. What would he do in the absence of his father? Would he allow the bitterness that he had had to carry all those years since he was a boy, 17 years old. Now he's a rich old man in power and kingdom with the second most powerful man in the earth at the time. And there he is. What would he do? Would he make it about his brothers or would he make it about himself? What would he do with his power? Would he understand his blessing was to be a blessing? Or would he, what would he do? God will give you whatever he can get through you. Amen. God will give it to you if he can get it through you. And so there he was. This is one of the things I've learned, church. As long as God gives me revelation, I want to give it to you. As much as I can give to you, I want to give to you because I realize how much God loves you. Amen. He loves you. He cares about you. And if he touches me, it's to bless you. If he gives me understanding, it's to bless you with understanding. Because the more I release it, there are no secret keys. The key is to unlock us. There's nothing hidden here. Stinginess stops the cycle. To hold back revelation stops the cycle. So the more revelation I can receive and give, the more revelation I'll have room for. The more God will allow revelation to come. So Joseph is at a place where he has to decide, what am I going to do with all this favor? Daddy's gone. I don't have to be loyal to anybody but to who? God, my brothers, or myself? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And there he was. It wasn't fair that he had to feed the guys who had lied on him. It wasn't fair 
that he had to take care of the guys who said he was dead. It wasn't fair that he had to love on the guys who had put their foot on top of him. It wasn't fair that he had to tend to them and set them up as princes and give them chariots and houses and lands and everything for the very guys who were jealous of him and tried to kill him. That wasn't fair. Can you do it? Can you do it? Can somebody take something from you and then you give it back in blessing to them? Can you handle fairness? Can you take fairness? Can you walk in fairness? I'm not speaking now to the unfavored. I'm speaking to the favored. As long as you want to be favored, you have to realize it is never going to be fair. Are you learning something today? Are you learning something, really? How many of you want to be favored? You're, you're going to give to your children. You're going to give to your family. You're going to give to your loved ones. You're going to give, and you're going to give, and you're going to give. I have a newsflash for you. You're not going to get it back. You're not going to get any of it back because they don't have it to give back. That's why God favored you. That does not mean they don't love you. It just means you're the one that's favored. Amen. You are gifted to be a blessing. The reason God has gifted you with financial blessing is to be a blessing to his kingdom. And if you lose that, then you'll struggle. You'll have to fight and struggle to maintain your blessing. It'll take your health to take, keep care of your blessing. But if you can release your blessing to the kingdom, God will take care of your health, your wealth, and he'll bless you. Oh, I'm trying to help somebody. Now, it's human for all of us to want fairness. Because, because we, we, we feel like we're giving and we're giving and all people are doing is using us. But let me tell you something I learned a long time ago on the ranch. You always pick the good horse to ride. You don't go pick the old nag because you're going to fight all day long with it. So when you go out to cut a cow, you get on the best horse there is. And if you're being ridden, maybe you're a good horse. I think you're missing it, but that's okay. The burden of being trusted with blessing is this. Here's the responsibility. You want blessing. How many of you want blessing? Here's the responsibility. Can you serve while you're hurt? Can you do it? Can you give to others and be used? Can you allow yourself to be used? Can you love without reciprocation? Can you love when they don't love you back? Christ did. Can you do that? Do you have, can you serve somebody when they're not serving you? Who's it going to be about? You or them? This is what favor is all about. Joseph is being tested between doing right and being right. Listen, I can do the right thing and still be bitter. I can do the right thing. I can send you flowers and be resentful. Should have sent you a thorn. I'll get roses next time with big thistles on them. I can send you chocolates and still feel wounded. Okay? We can all get hurt because that's human. But can we take a licking and keep on ticking? Can we do, we can do right, but can we be right? Being right means that I have to forsake bitterness. I have to forsake equalness. I have to forsake fairness. I have to forsake revenge. Amen. That's a hard one for me because I like to slap the fat out of somebody. Anyway. 
That's a hard I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes somebody does me wrong. I just want to, I'll get you in the alley. That's how we handle it at school, and I still take you back there. You find out there's a Ray Ray in there. Can I maintain my character? Can I maintain myself and serve somebody else when I'm being pressured? Can I do it when life is turbulent? Can I do it when I'm being ground, ground upon, being made into a key? Let me tell you something. Let me say something to you. you. You've all been sent here. It proves that God has a purpose for you. Everyone in this room. Let me explain that a little bit better. Then, If you don't understand this, you can talk to Pastor Michael after the service. You outran all the other little sperms. Because God wanted you here. There was about a chamillion people trying to beat you here. A whole bunch of them that didn't make it. But you made it for such a time as this. For such a time as this. Oh, yes, you did. You Here you are. It didn't just happen, my friend. It wasn't just accidentally. You're on a mission. That mission started a long time ago up in a little dark canal somewhere. Talk to Pastor Michael. He'll explain all this later. You have been anointed to multiply. You have been anointed from the very beginning to multiply. Joseph's favor matched his mission. He had a mission to save a nation. And so God had to give him a favor that was big enough to do that, but he couldn't give him the favor if he had to be fair, if he couldn't handle it. So sometimes life seems unfair because God wants to favor you. God wants to favor you. That's why you've gone through some of those things. There's something that God is doing. He's, he's foreshadowing. He's moving ahead of you. Joseph was a perfect foreshadow of Jesus. I don't have time for that today. 30 or 40 things, but, but Joseph was sent to have a dream. He was sent to the earth for God to give him a dream and for that dream to be rejected and to be thrown in a pit. He was sent here to be thrown in a pit, to be sold out by his brothers, to be lost from his father, to go through hell so that he could lead a people out of hell. So when famine came, his brothers would have somewhere to run to so he could be a kinsman redeemer. God needed him on the inside. God favors you. God pressures you. God blesses you to get you on the inside because he loves your brothers. So you can be a kinsman redeemer. So you can redeem somebody. So you can love your family. So you can help your peeps. I don't know what terminology we need to use here. Amen. We started in this chapter or in our, our study here about burying Jacob. But now we're going to end up burying Joseph. He's been on a mission. We're on a mission. Let me read to you one text and we'll get this thing wrapped up. Isaiah 55, verse 10. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and they do not return there, but they water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be. Just like that rain, so is my word. It's going to come forth out of my mouth. It will not return to me void. It shall accomplish what I please. 
It will prosper in the thing where I sent it. So God is saying this to us today. God is saying his word is like water. When water comes down in the form of rain from heaven, he says, so is my word. When the rain comes down, what's it doing? It's on a mission. Rain doesn't just come down. It's on a mission. It's on a mission. And because it's on a mission, the earth gives it admission. Now it gets to release from heaven and enter into another realm. It's given admission into the earth so that it can nourish the earth and cause the seed to come forth. It's on a mission to do that. God says my word is the same way. It's been sent from heaven to earth. It's on a mission. It's looking for admission. And if it receives admission, it will not return void. This is the cycle of favor. Rain comes down. The earth gets hot. The steam goes back up. And rain comes down. The earth gets hot. Steam goes up. The rain comes down. The earth gets, it's, it's a cycle. And God is saying this the same thing with my word. It's a cycle. It's seasonal. It'll come down. If it finds admission, it'll turn a seed inside of somebody's heart around. It'll cause a favor to happen inside of them. It will birth. It will come out. It will be beautiful. It will give sustenance. It will give beauty. This is what my word said to do. It will not return void. He's also the same thing with favor, my friend. You, 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 listen, look at your neighbor. Say you're coming into a season of favor. You've gone through your turbulence. You've gone through your pits. You've gone through your setbacks. You've gone through your rejection. You've gone through being overlooked. But your season's changing. Oh, amen. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, it's turning. God did not send you here to lose you. God did not send you here so that you would just fail. God sent you here on a mission. He has placed his word inside of you. And if you will allow that word to, to, to accomplish its mission, it will cause something powerful to happen in you. I, I need you to tell somebody. We need to talk for a moment to get together. Look at your neighbor and say, uh, uh, the favor ain't fair. Now look at him and say, you can't fail. Because what God has begun in you, he will perform. Amen. What God started will not return void. What God began will happen. You've had some setbacks. You've had some delays. You've had some circumstances. But his word will not return void. Amen. The former things are now behind you. The Bible says weep no more for what you lost. That what you lost was a seed. Amen. And now the rain is coming to water that seed. And that seed is going to come out and give favor to the land. That seed is going to touch many lives. That seed is going to touch somebody. That seed is on a mission. If we don't have mission, nothing else matters. Amen. If we don't have a mission, then what are we doing with the kids? Why did we send them to, 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 the, to the Winterfest? Just so they could have a party for three days? What's the mission? What are we trying to do with those kids? What are we trying to put into them? What's your mission? Why would God bless your business? For why? So you can say you had a big business, so you can pass on all your money to your kids, so they can corrupt it and be screwed up? Or maybe not your kids, but your kids, your kids, kids, your kids, down the road. Why? Why, friend? Joseph's life was a life of turbulence. 
His whole life was up and down and crazy and wild. But yet the whole time God was looking and God was favoring and God was building and God was planting seeds and God was working a plan. And I thought this guy's life was just a wreck until I read chapter 50. When I read chapter 50, I saw that he came into peace. The Bible says that he had two sons. We read it today. Those two boys grew up. They had sons who grew up. And the Bible says that three generations grew up on Joseph's knees. And his former days were behind him. And the days of power in front of him. He had 17 years to place into those children and the children's children. So that they could carry it out of that place. So they could come out of slavery and be favored. So they could flourish in the land. So that after many, many years, Egypt would go back into a dysphoria and be spread all over the earth because of what the Romans did to them. After 1,800 years, my friend, America's only a couple hundred years old. 1,800 years, Israel had no nation. No land. But when God brought them back together by a miracle, they still had their God. Something that had been placed inside of them all the way back there with Joseph. Something that had been put inside their hearts that lived through turbulence, that lived through hell. They had a mission on the earth, and that mission is still coming. Amen. The whole world is going to end up looking at Israel. The whole thing is going to come right to Israel. There has been a mission from the beginning. All the rest of the wars, all that stuff means nothing without the mission. God wants to bless you because there's a mission. God wants to bless you so you can fulfill what he has for your life. It's not about you. It's about your brothers. It's about your children. It's about your children's children. It's not about how you feel. It's about how you endure and how you you allow God to turn you and make you into a key so you can unlock somebody's life. Favor ain't fair. God will favor you. God wants to favor you. God wants to bless you. Can you handle it? Can you be used? Can you go through those stuff? Can you handle the the dry season? Can you handle the rainy season? Can you handle the winter? Thank you, Jesus. We didn't have a bad one. Somebody say amen. Amen. You're in a cycle right now. Your life is secular. Some days you feel down. You're a seed planted in a dark, dry place. But other days you're a beautiful flower. You're in the sunshine and the rain's falling. And God's blessing. It's a cycle. It's how you handle the seasons. It's how you handle the favor. It's how you handle the the things. It's not fair. Life was never designed to be fair. Quit trying to be fair. If you have to be fair, God can't bless you. You're going to have to be down here with all the other people. God wants to favor you. Favor means to elevate, lift you above. He wants to give you something. He wants to do something. He wants to visit you. He wants to talk to you. If God came to you, how come God never talks to me? Do you ever talk to him? Let's be real. If he talked to you, what would you do with it? Are you prepared to do anything with it? Would you walk away from, from this to go to that? What would you do with favor? God will look to see. Amen. God will look to see. And life is rough, my friend. I sat there in that hospital room and I looked at my, my nephew and I just, life is not always fair. But God's doing something bigger than what we'll ever see or understand. He's moving in generations. We're looking at one 26-year-old boy. I was looking at one 26-year-old boy. But God is looking at generations. And God's planting seeds and allowing turbulence to see what we'll do with the favor he'd give us. 
If God gives you the favor of praying for the sick and they're healed instantly, what will you do with that favor? Write books and get famous and make a lot of money? What will you do with the favor God gives you? How will you manage it? How will you function in it? This is what God's looking for. Amen, somebody. Can you handle it? Look at your neighbor and say, can you handle it? I want you to bow your heads. Joseph was a picture of Jesus who was to come. Sold out by his brothers, put into the pit, rose up again, a conqueror, overcomer, powerful. Jesus is a picture for us to see us. Without mission, nothing makes sense. There's no need for pastors or teachers or prophets or apostles. Without mission, nothing makes sense. There's no need for favor. There's no need for the supernatural. There's no need for wealth. You have to learn that you're going to reap where you did not sow. You can't expect to always reap where you sow. You're going to reap where you did not sow. You're going to have to learn how to struggle with the issues of fairness because you live in the Western culture that says, if I buy you something, you should buy me something. If I gave you a Christmas card, you should give me a Christmas card. If I shake your hand and come all all the way over there to shake your hand, you should do the same to shake my hand. Life doesn't seem fair, friend. There's going to be times in your life where you're in a room full of people that actually love you and care about you, but nobody will even recognize you're there. You're going to be put into a place where you're all alone. I remember one particular time I was at a conference with six or 700 other pastors, all my friends, and for one whole week in that conference, not one person shook my hand, went out for coffee with me, or even dealt with me. The occasional high here, occasional high there, and that was it. And I felt so alone. And God was teaching me, can you handle it? If I favor you, will you still treat these men here with grace and love? Or will you be snooty and walk past them because they walk past you? What will you do? So today, what I'm asking this church to do is to forsake fairness. Forsake it. Forsake it. We're going to invite other churches into this assembly in the days to come. We're going to raise up other young men and women to send out to other places. and They're going to come back with their friends and their people they've won to the Lord. And we're going to give to them. And we're going to love them. And we're going to, we're, going to, we're going to bless them. We're going to resource them. And we're not going to get nothing back from them. Not all. Some of them will. But many of them will never give anything back. But we're not going to worry about that because we're going to forsake fairness. The reason we have to give to them, the reason we have to be able to resource them is because God has favored us. And so we're going to walk in God's favor. We're going to forsake that, that other stuff. We're going we're to pick up our mission. Our mission is to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every person, to equip, to raise up, to disciple men. That's not just in word. That's in resource. That's in life. That's real. It's not just a Bible study. It's actually walking with them, processing life with them on the job training. Right there in the trenches. 
And as we do that, and they're unable to give back to us, it will activate our favor. It will activate the favor of God that's in us. And God will cause the rain to fall on us. God will cause his wealth and his health and his blessing as we sing that song today. What a perfect song for today. It's going to come on us, his wealth, his blessing for our church, for our city, for our nation. Blessing. And the reason it will come, because we're forsaking fairness. We're, we're enduring the turbulent air. We're allowing God to make us into a key to unlock our children's destiny. To unlock lives that are hurt, marriages that are broken. To unlock healing and blessing and health into their lives. That's what we're looking for. That's what we want in today. Can we stand all over this room? Can we just stand? No one leaving just for a moment. I know it's getting a bit pinch late. We're, we're going to be done. I want you to gather hands. I'm going to do it a little bit different. Just join somebody's hand right there. Now, I'm going to pray, but I want you to pray for the neighbor's hand who you got a hold of. I want you to, I want you to just, I, you don't have to know their name. Just say, God, this person. Lord, we activate favor. We activate that favor. There are people in this room tonight, today, Lord, that are in very turbulent places in their lives. In their mind, in their emotions, in their social life. They've struggled through some hard, hard places. Places that nobody should have to go in our estimation, Lord. But you, in your sovereignty, have loved us. And we don't even know how it's, we can't even see how it looks like love. But we know it's love. So we surrender to you, Lord. We surrender to your plan in our life. And we will walk in favor. We will forsake fairness. It's hard, Lord. We need your strength. We need supernatural power to do that, Lord. We are human beings and we need your help. We need your help, Lord, because we, 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 we want to we wanna get even. We, wanna revenge. we, wanna, we want it to be equal. So, Lord, give us strength to be able to forsake that and be blessed so we can be a blessing to others. That we can learn from these things. That that, that seed that you put in there will now come out of us. And we'll be able to bless others and strengthen others and lift others and set a nation free. Set a city free. Set a people free. Place that mission in our hearts. Place that love in our hearts. Place that power in our hearts. Father, in Jesus' name, let this be a church of favor. I activate favor in this place. Let us be a people that can handle it, maintain it, use it for your glory. Let this be a revival hub. Let this be an apostolic hub. Let this church be a hub. A resource center, a place, God, that can send others out. Let this be that house, God. Favor us. And let us not always look for equal things. But to trust you. That you where, where we'll sow there, but you'll, you'll give us what we need to reap here. And we trust you in that. Come on, lift your hands all over this room. Just worship the Lord. Just worship the Lord. Come on, just worship the Lord. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Family Worship Center. If our weekly sermons minister to you, consider partnering with us or giving a one-time donation. To give, visit cogfwc.org slash giving. Connect with us for all the latest news on services, events, and more by following us on Twitter and Facebook. 